0: All right, if you wouldn't mind praying with me as we start this morning. Um, God, I just thank you so much for how good you are. I thank you for the fact that you are the truth. God, I pray that you would um, speak clearly to us today, this morning, that we would be open to what you have for us, Um, that I would be your vessel, Father. and that it wouldn't be my words but yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, it's super awesome to be back with you guys in person. This is the first time I've preached in person in like a year and a half because I was doing online, and then somehow every time I preached on Zoom, Matt was the one preaching in person. So um, I, this is super um, exciting, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little... Nervous like I haven't had an audience in a minute, so I'm excited, but I'm like, oh man, they talk back <laughs> I'm not in my sweatpants from the waist down what? Um, so we are talking and looking at um, the armor of God Matt did a great job of introducing the series last week and we've just I just want to remind You guys as we go through this we're talking about the armor collective, right? Like we, a lot of times when we talk about the armor of God, we talk about it as the individual and it's like, oh, I'm putting on my armor of God, but we're, more talking about like the, like less as one church, we're going to put on the armor of God. So that kind of goes into maybe how we look and view the armor as we go piece by piece by piece. It's no longer, oh, I'm going to put on my belt. It's like, oh no, 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 we're going to do this together and we're going to put on the belt of truth together. So before we jump into the verse, I have um, I need some help from Isaiah and Nora and Genevieve. If you guys want to, and Anna, if you want to, too, you can. But can you guys come forward for me really quick? I need your help. I need your help. All right. So Kristen drew, I'll hold them up so everyone can see them over here. But she drew these really cute, kids for us and they're gonna be our they're gonna be our props to show us how as a as a community we're gonna put on the armor of god so what i need you guys to do while i preach and share what god has i need you guys to decorate their belts can you do that for me okay so you guys are gonna work together yep yep we're gonna work together we're gonna share Share. (laughs) and we're gonna decorate these and then we're gonna put them together and at the end we're gonna come up and put on the first piece of their armor does that sound good yeah all right here you guys go you want to go color and decorate make sure here let's just do this there you go Nora's got those Genevieve's got those and you guys are gonna share and do it together okay we're working on decorating our armor as a whole all right go on go color go draw make them pretty so each week we're going to add to the kids armor so they are going to be our demonstration and they're going to um we're gonna we're gonna put on our armor so that is what our new friends are going to help us do so i'm really excited about this series one because um if i'm honest i've never actually Uh, study the armor of God is just something that you're always told like put on the armor of God and maybe as a kid you went through and like did exactly what they're doing but you made your own armor and like you did all those kinds of things but like to actually study what the purpose of the armor of God is I can't say that I've ever done that Um, so when I suggested it like Matt said last week his eye twitched a little bit but I'm really excited we're doing it So a little bit before we jump in straight into the belt of truth is the armor itself, the way that Paul lays it out for us in Ephesians is actually the way the soldiers in the Roman Empire and of that time would have put on their armor. So it's the, in the order of which they might have like put on their armor. And so the belt is the, actually the first piece. So it's not like, we don't have to be like, why did Paul put it in this or, or, this order or anything like that. So the the belt of truth, and the, I'll read it for us. It's in Ephesians 6.14. It says, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. And that's the NRSV version, and I only say that because it's, said, it's written in like a bazillion other ways in different versions around. I read a lot of different versions, and it's written differently. Um, but the first part of that, it says, stand therefore. And if you look at uh, the NIV version, it actually says, stand firm. And so this idea is first and foremost, before we even get into putting on the armor, Paul is saying, we have to take, we have to stand, we have to take a stance. And it's not an offensive thing, it's actually more defensive. Every piece of the armor, except for the sword of truth, the sword of the spirit, is, um, is defensive. And so, you're already taking your stance. As we're putting on our armor, we've already taken a stance against the enemy, saying, we have the power within us to have, handle anything you're gonna throw. Whatever you're gonna throw our way, we've got the power. And so, right off the bat, we're standing firm. So we're taking that stance. It's not, it's not meant to be like a, like a slow, la, 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 can't think of the word, like lazy. Thank you. Um, It's not meant for that. There's meant to be this urgency, this idea, idea of like owning, this ownership. And then we look at the last, it says fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Belt of truth, easy enough, right? We all know truth. We all know what a belt looks like. The belt. So that's the first piece of the armor. And I just need to erase all the ideas of what you might think a belt looks like. I'm not talking about decoration. I'm not talking about like a flimsy little belt you might like put on to make your outfit cute or guys, like a thicker belt that you might put on to put your pants, like wear wear your pants. I'm talking like, you guys ever watch like WWE, like the belts that they win? Like that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a thick belt that takes up most of your midsection because it actually protects your organs. So the belt was meant to help protect your kidneys, your liver, all of your like Um, major organs in your abdomen. So it it played a huge role in the armor. It also helped gather up your your clothes because they all wore, um, not gowns is the only word I can think of, but they didn't have like pants on. So they needed something to like gather up their clothes because um, ladies, if you've ever worn a long dress, as many of us actually are in today, can you run quickly when you have a ton of garments down on the ground if you're trying to chase a two-year-old? Anybody? No, you cannot. So you need something to like, help hold up that material. I mean, how many of us have ever like, grabbed your clothes real quick and you're chasing after a kid? Not me, ever. Um, <laughs> and so that's, that's the point of the belt. The belt wasn't flimsy, it was large, it was, it was there to protect. But also the belt was something that couldn't be worn if they were sitting down so all of us who are sitting down right now you couldn't have your belt on you'd actually have to have your belt off and so for the for the soldier when they stood up and they put their belt on it was also putting their mind in the state of okay we're going into battle like we're not messing around anymore like we're going into battle so it, it readied them in more than just a physical way, but also a mental way. It got them ready to go. So if we're looking at the belts of truth and we're just looking at the belt itself, Paul is saying, not only are you standing firm and saying, all right, let's do this because I am standing in the power that I have in Jesus, but he's also saying, get your mind ready for battle church, because Satan's going to be throwing things at you. And if you don't have this ready, then you might as well be sitting down. So when we stand up, we're putting on the belt. We're protecting those places. And then we get to truth. And truth is tricky, right? Like, I, I'm curious, how would you guys define truth? Because I'm be real, it's been a week. So I'm, I'm curious to hear, what is, when you hear the word truth, what comes to your mind? Good, okay. Honesty, okay. Integrity. Factual, yes. What? Reliable. Yeah, all of those are super great. And they all are truth. Like they all embody truth. But I found as I was like looking up definitions and even digging into it um, from a scriptural standpoint, that truth is, is kind of like, the biggest gray area ever to some degree, but then it's also so black and white at the same time. So it's this like weird, like moving, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's just, you can't describe it in some ways. And so I, I started being like, God, what is truth? What does this even look like? Yes, it's honesty, it's integrity, it's reliable, it's factual, it's all of these different things. And I kind of started looking at this, in three different lights, looking at three different truths. So we have the truth of the world. And the world tells us that the truth is interpretive. What your truth is is gonna be different than my truth, and this truth is different than this truth, and all of these different things, and truth is up to your interpretation. Okay, but if we're looking at the armor of God as a whole and as a collective, and we're saying, one church, let's arm ourselves with the belt of truth. Well, if your truth is different than my truth, and this truth is different than this truth, then we'd be all over the place, right? Because what if Don is sitting down, because he's like, I don't think it's time to stand up for an army, for a battle. And Susan's like, no nah, man, the truth is here. Like, I got this and I'm ready to put on my belt and you're sitting down. So like, we have to find a truth that like makes sense. So the world's truth, it changes. It's person to person, it's interpretation. And then we have the, the, U, the, the church of the United States, the truth of the church uh, of the Western culture and that church is factual. That truth is factual. You know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. You know that Jesus is the salvation. None of that is wrong. That's 100% right, but there's almost this feel of like you walk into church, and this never happens, but I remember feeling this growing up that you just knew all the right answers. Y'all, you guys have all taken like a test where you have to fill out a Scantron, you know, like a ACT or any of those different tests, even state testing, and you're filling out your Scantron and you're filling in the right answers. And so the truth of the church in some churches today is factual. It's like, okay, great, Stephanie, you know all the right answers. Check, check, check. Great. You're perfect. You don't have to worry about it. Like, oh, Diana, you've got most of them right. All right, you've got this. Like, you're going to find all the truth answers. And it's almost like, it's like this, you got to, get your flashcards out, and review, and review, and review. But the truth that I think God has for us, it takes the truth of the church one step farther. And it says, okay, great, you have all the knowledge, but how is that transforming you? How is that changing you? How is that, like, actually helping you protect yourself? So we're taking it one step forward because the truth of Scripture, the truth of God, transforms us. It's not just checking off boxes. We can't, we, if we like know the truth, you can't go back to where you were. You know, Susan talked about knowing God's love, and that is truth. But if we, and when we function out of that truth, we're standing firm any arrows that Satan is throwing at us just bounce off. Even if we just have the belt on because it's so big and it's protecting us. But then if we go back and we like lean back into like, oh, I know the truth, but we sit down and we like relax, then any arrows that are coming at us, we have no protection, zero. And so we need to stand firm in the biblical truth of the fact that, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, great. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? How do we go out onto those streets and show people, not just tell people, but show people that Jesus is the truth? Because in Ephesians, that's what Paul is teaching. Paul is teaching that the the truth is Jesus. That's the foundation. Great. What does that mean to someone who doesn't know Jesus? How do we share that truth with somebody that doesn't know Jesus? The first step is we have to do that work inside ourselves to then be able to show and share. My whole life, I grew up like with the evangelism model where it's like, share your testimony, go up and ask people uh, if they know the Bible and have conversation. But I was never really taught how to do that. And if I'm honest, I'm still learning how to do that. Cause I would walk up to people, well, let's just be honest. I grew up in a, a family where most of them weren't believers. My mom's side of the family aren't believers. It's just our like nuclear family is. And and so my, my cousins, my aunt, my uncle would be like, ask me questions, well, what about this? And what about that? And I I didn't, I didn't have the ability to actually not defend Jesus because he doesn't need defending, but have like a response. Like I didn't actually have truth other than what I had the facts that I knew. And so because I only had facts and there was no transformation that came with those facts, it didn't make sense. And to them they're like, I don't see what the hoopla is. I don't see why I want that. And I still struggle with this. If I'm 100% honest, I still am trying to figure out how do I share the truth of Jesus without it making, sound, making it sound like I literally filled out an application. Like how? How do we do that? I'm still figuring it out. So if anybody wants to let me know, I'm here. But I do know that Jesus has changed my life. And I do know that in the last five years that I have been a part of this church, Jesus has transformed me. And I know a Jesus so different from the Jesus I grew up with. I know a Jesus who loves everybody where they're at at all times. He's in the trenches and he's on top of the mountain. He doesn't wait for you to climb the mountain on your own and meet you there. He says, I'm going to meet you every single step of the way. I know a Jesus who says, hey, you're here, 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 but you can all be family. I know a Jesus who says, you're hurting, great, I'm going to heal with you. She, that person might not look like you, that person might not think like you, that person might have a completely different upbringing from you, but we're going to walk through healing together. The truth is, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and He is who we put our foundation is. He is our Savior. But that truth falls flat if we don't actually let it transform our life. If we don't actually let it transform our community. If we don't actually let it transform this body. As I was studying more and more, and I was talking to Matt on Wednesday. And I was thinking about, like, what does this mean for one church? Like, what? This whole, like, armor of God, belt of truth. And I had this picture. We've been a church for five years, five, five, almost five and a half years. And in the last year and a half, we've had some pretty low lows. And we've had highs and lows along the way. But the last year and a half, like, since Jamel probably announced that he was leaving, I would say marks it for me. It was almost like we woke up. Even though we've been a church and God has moved and healed and done so many amazing things, I can mark that I think March of 2020, our church stood up and said, we're taking a place. We're going to stand firm. And as a body of Christ, we're going to protect ourselves from whatever the enemy has for us. You guys, I don't think we've even realized that in the last year and a half, God has been showing us how to wear the armor of God as a community. Because in all reality, a lot of people would have thrown in the towel probably March of 2020. But we took a stand, we stood firm. And right now, we're we're putting on our belts of truth. And the truth is that Jesus loves every single one of us. And the truth is that we are all growing and transforming because truth does transform us. When we know the truth, it changes who we are. And we all might be at different stages of that transformation, and that's okay. I'm not saying everyone be where Diana is, or everyone be where I am, everyone be where Hannah is. I'm not saying that at all, because the beauty of it is we can all be changing and transforming at different points if we're allowing the truth to do that. So when we're standing firm, One Church, as a body, not going to make everyone stand up and hold hands because of COVID, but like I would if that wasn't a thing. We're standing together as a body and as a collective we're putting on this belt of truth that changes and transforms us from the inside as a community, then not only are we ready for whatever Satan has for us, but we're also ready to transform those outside. We're ready to open those doors and fill this church. And we're ready to do that because we're protected. We're strong. Because the armor of God empowers us. It doesn't just protect us, but it physically empowers us. It empowers us to share the truth that we know. And not just facts, not just facts but like stories. We just did a whole series on testimony and we saw the truth in five different ways. We saw the truth of how good God is in five different ways. How he has shown up in the highs and the lows in five different ways. How he has remained constant in five different ways. We wanna share truth that transforms. We have the story. Let's share truth that isn't just factual, but changes life. Let's put on the belt of truth proudly to protect this body of Christ, but also anything, anybody else that might come in. Will you, will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the fact that you protect us, that you are the truth and that the truth in you transforms. Father, I just pray that you would continue to show us what that looks like. What does transforming truth look like? What does it look like to be transformed in your truth? God, may we learn to learn, like when we continue to learn from one another, grow with one another Walk with one another. God, thank you for how you've protected us. Thank you for arming us, even when we weren't aware of it. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, kiddos, are you guys done with your belts? Almost? Okay. We got to put them on our kids. All right. Come on. Here comes Nora. Okay, of course she is. Awesome. All right, so we're gonna put on our belts of truth. You're gonna wait for Genevieve, that's fine. You wanna arm, this is, this is our friend. We're gonna put on her belt of truth. You wanna do it, Nora? You're just gonna put it on the Velcro pieces. Nice, all right. You up here, hit it, hit it. Put it on, good job. Good job, Genevieve. Hey, All right, Isaiah, you gonna put on his belt of truth? Awesome, those are beautiful. Well done. So let us go forth, church, being armed with the truth this week. Okay. Wear your belt of truth proudly. Okay. And let it tr- continue to transform you. Be blessed.
1: God, we thank you for the work that you're doing. We ask that you continue, even as we're looking at your Word together this morning. That you would continue to heal, redeem, restore. Do the things you're really good at. In your name, Amen. Uh, I, I do want to acknowledge, it, it, it's, it's a little hot in here. We're, we're running the air, air, and then it gets really loud, so it gets. we're trying to strike the balance. We're also trying to fix some of the sound stuff. We're going to have conversations about a little mini sound system in here in the coming months, so thanks for being patient as we're trying to resolve all this. Last week, Kat introduced you to our little friends here. Who, who've got some beautiful armor of God and they have their belts of truth decorated and today we get to decorate some more. If our, if our young ones want to come forward and get their art projects, you want to come on up? Anna? do you want to color this week? No, you want to close your eyes. Well, as we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, we're going to have the young church oh my goodness this works tearing apart this young man's life thank you I need help (laughs) they're going to decorate these and make them look awesome right Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about them and understand what they mean on our behalf thanks for giving us some art guys you guys are great. You can go color them and we'll call you up, okay? Well, we're going to start by just again acknowledging Father's Day. And to you dads in the room, you who play the role of dad, uh, happy Father's Day. Um, but I'll be honest, it's it's a little weird for me. I, I try to always swarm out of preaching on Father's Day. Usually, we go on vacation, and I go somewhere else. <laughs> it's nothing about you guys, it's just a weird day. Uh, there's weird pressure, just like Mother's Day. Um, I feel like it's like a report card day. But your report card is read on like, like the NFL draft is read and everybody watches and everybody knows and it feels like a weird kind of pressure. I feel questions like, am I doing it right? And can I make up for what I didn't do right? The day that I miss my dad and the day that I miss my grandpa. Every year I make brats because that's what my dad liked, which kind of makes me sadder, but I still do it. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) But it's just that kind of stuff happens. And I want to ask him a ton of questions. And I want to know how to do this, like how you solve a math problem and I want parenting to be like that, but it's not. And in fact, very little of life is that black and white, right? It's not as good and bad as I thought it was. Recently, I learned something as a dad. Uh, My youngest son taught me. We were sitting in the car, and and I realized, uh, like, I really want to do right by these kids. I want to do right. I want to... I put a lot of pressure on myself. I want to be what they need me to be and help them heal and help them navigate into a good life. But what I didn't realize until he told me in the car is that I've pushed that pressure onto them. I've taught that way of living, that you've got to do good, that you've got to uh, try hard, do good. And, And those are good things. But what was accidental was the shame that I felt I was passing on him. And he said, like, Dad, you're, you're never, like, mad. But I just don't want you to do that dad noise. That, like, huh. And, like, oh, I know that dad noise. I had heard that, and I do that. And I'm making the noise out of my own disappointment in myself most often, but I'm teaching him a bit of shame as if that's what I think of him. And so I had to apologize to him, but I think it fits really well with the part of the armor of God that we're looking at today because days like today are a great reminder that we're vulnerable, right? Which is something that men in our culture do not want to be. Not that women want to be, but men definitely don't. We were taught, at least my dad's generation, was taught that you needed to be like The Lone Ranger, and you needed to, like all the heroes were solo artists, and uh, you're never vulnerable. But as I've grown up, I feel like I am always vulnerable. I feel like navigating vulnerability is most of life. And if you're somebody who comes in here today and feels like you're supposed to be strong, I want to remind you of a verse we looked at a couple weeks ago. As we started this series, we looked at how Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. So if you feel this need like I do to be strong for so many people, to be strong for your family, to be strong for your friends, for the people at your work, for your church, for everybody, you need to be strong. Then I remind you that that feeling is exhausting, but the strength is not on your own shoulders. It's not your bicep you're flexing. It's the strength of the Lord. And so lean into that. And if you feel vulnerable, that's because I think we're supposed to. I think there's some good news here. The verse for today is Ephesians 6.14. It's the same one we looked at last week. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Kat did a great job explaining what the belt was. And what truth is and walking us through just the difficulty of, of that idea. And then, then Paul goes on and says, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this righteousness is right standing with God. That's what we're talking about. A right standing in relationship. You know when you're in a, the right place with somebody and when you're not, Right? Like, we don't need to overly explain it. You know when you're in the wrong with somebody and you've got to go make it up. And, and and you know how humbling and vulnerable that can feel. And so this word righteousness is that. It's right standing with God. But then this idea of breastplate, we just don't have one. I think of like a maybe a catcher's gear is the closest thing in baseball that I can think of on this. So I did a little looking. Before the first century, people who aren't, Rich anyway, in this culture, had had people like me. The breastplate that they had was a little eight-inch piece of leather that covered their heart. That's what they had. they went to war with, like a wallet on their heart, and they called it a breastplate. That's crazy. So then they learned how to work iron and all that. We take all this for granted, right? But they learned how to work iron and they developed this thing that was like a plate and then it had little, little, uh, little eyes and they put hooks in it and another plate, little eyes and hooks so it could bend a little bit and it was several pieces of iron. And first the wealthy got it and then eventually all the soldiers got it. And by the time that Paul is writing, he's probably calling on like maybe guards at the prison or guards at the temple that everybody's used to seeing, and they're wearing a breastplate like that. That's just iron fastened to iron. It's something that if you said it, people would be like, yeah, I know what that looks like, because I see it in my everyday life. Like maybe, this isn't everyday hopefully for us, but maybe it's more like a bulletproof vest, that we see those sometimes. We, We can imagine what that looks like, right? So he's calling on a very common image to them of this, iron vest. But here's the thing, it was 19 and a half pounds. You knew when you were wearing it. Like you knew you had this thing on. And it moved, but that's that's not light. Like that's like covid for some of us, right? Like we gained 19 and a half pounds. We know what that's like walking around in that. So back to this idea of righteousness, if righteousness is right standing with God, I really think that my attempts on my own are like wearing that little eight inch wallet covering my heart it's like trying to navigate life with that being my protection and vulnerability is going to be terrifying because i'm vulnerable to anything right that's that doesn't really protect i'm vulnerable and i'm exposed and god knows that we're vulnerable and God's not the one speaking these messages of shame. In fact, he, he doesn't leave us. He, he's right with us. And he knows that this, I mean, after all, he made us. So he knows that on our own attempts, we can't do this. So he doesn't leave it to our own attempts. In Romans 3, this is a longer passage, but I want to read this for you. We hear, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Without keeping the requirements of the law, without doing everything right, he's shown us a way to be right with him. As promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right by God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true to everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sites. So real quick unpacking of this, this is not about us keeping the law. It's not about us navigating the right steps and not getting hit in the spots because we just got this tiny little wallet that we're trying to protect. It's not even about us having faith the right way. And I think we need to hear that. It's not about you and I expressing our faith and having the right... No- it's not about you and I. Where our faith is, is actually in Jesus. And we know that, right? But, but I don't think we do. I think we even kind of somehow make that about us. No, it's not that you believe the right things about Jesus. What you're believing about Jesus is that his righteousness is yours. That what he did is enough. That who he is is enough. That if your beliefs are, are two degrees too far to the left or the right, you're okay. Not because you're okay, but because Jesus says you're okay. Because Jesus is okay. Because he's big enough. He's powerful enough. So if you did something stupid yesterday or you, you had some doubt, or you believed something wrong, or you articulated some piece of theology, or you're questioning something of the Bible, or any of these things that feel like, oh no, now I'm vulnerable, and I'm exposed, and I'm sunk. No, it's not on your righteousness anyway. It's on what Jesus did. And so our faith is not just that we are good because we believe correctly. Our faith is, no, Jesus has us. He said so. So the fact that I feel vulnerable, it's okay, I'm safe. Not because of me, but because Jesus is really that good. It's not because I did anything correctly, even putting my faith in him correctly, or being baptized correctly, or any of these kind of things. No, it's not about that. It's not about my morality. It's not about my ethics. It's about Jesus and the fact that Jesus has done everything correctly. And Jesus says... Come to me. And because Jesus said so, that's enough. Because Jesus said, my righteousness I give to you, then that's what we live in. And so we come with this tiny little wallet, right? This little eight-inch leather thing, and we go turn that in and say, this is the best I have. And we get to take on this iron breastplate of righteousness. The one that a sword can't penetrate. A one that allows flexibility and movement but security. And if you feel vulnerable beneath Christ's righteousness then that's just something that gets to be true. Because you are and I am. And then these these messages come at us different. Here's what I mean. Any of you guys ever tell yourself that you're not doing it right? Whatever it is. You ever tell yourself or hear from something that you're not enough? That you're, you're, every, your good days are past you, that you're not going to get it right, that you failed too much, that that you can't do this, right? We, we, I don't even know, well I do know where we hear it, but like we just kind of pick it up sometimes. These are narratives that we tell ourselves. We talked a little bit about this at Slow Invasion. They leave us feeling vulnerable. And if all we have is this tiny little wallet breastplate, they quickly lead to shame. And then we just spiral and we just live there. But if we hear, Matt, your righteousness isn't enough. But I am what Paul says hidden in Christ. Then I'm reminded it was never meant to be enough. If I hear you can't do it on your own, I'm reminded I was never asked to do it on my own. From the beginning, I was to do it in Christ, in community, from Genesis 1 all the way through. The lie has always been go separate from each other, quit telling your story, quit feeling like you belong, and go do it on your own. That's the lie. But in his righteousness, I can come to you all and say, hey, Father's Day is not my favorite. And you don't pity me. But you see me. And we go forward. It doesn't have to be my favorite. I could be reminded of my kids and my earthly dad and my heavenly father and bring all that together for him. And if I feel weak, it's his strength anyway. And I feel like I am not right. What's his righteousness anyway? That's what I'm leaning on. God's grace is makes you, what makes you right with God because he said so. Remember, we spent months last year to our daughters and sons of God because he said so. And if he says so, then that's enough. And so we bring our tiny little eight-inch wallet, kind of breastplate of righteousness, and we trade it out for God's, for Christ's righteousness, right? And then that 19 and a half pound righteousness we wear, it is not a straitjacket. Instead, it's like a weighted blanket. And sometimes when we're like stressed, sometimes when we're dealing with trauma, sometimes when we're dealing with pain, a weighted blanket is the very thing that helps you sleep at night. It's a medical thing sometimes. They say, hey, you need one of those, you need to feel some weight on you. Not pressure weight, not shame weight, but presence weight. And so we get to walk around with this weighted blanket of God's righteousness, aware constantly, not that we're not right, not that shame is correct, but aware that we are who God says that we are because he said so. And our faith is that he knows more than we do. Our faith is that what he's done is greater than what we have done. And we wear this together because this whole armor of God thing is a corporate thing. It's all all of us. Together, So that means a couple things that we need to begin practicing. We need to remind each other of our truest story. The truest story is that you are redeemed by Christ. That you're a daughter or a son, and because of that, you are a sister and a brother to everyone else here. And that means that we can hear one another's stories and then bring us back to what is truest. We need to be actively doing that. Together, we need to remind each other that our faith in Jesus is enough. That that is what's being asked for. And it's that our faith is that Jesus is enough. Not that our faith is enough. But that Jesus really is. And that we can trust that. Together, we need to remind each other it's okay to feel vulnerable. In fact, it's kind of necessary to be seen, to be cared for, to heal. And then we need to, together, since we're wearing this together, we need to be voices that remind each other that the strength that you're relying on is not your own. And honestly, that's hard for this room because there's some strong people. There's some survivors in this church. There's some fighters in this church. And the hard thing about that is that can make you feel like, well, I've got to do this on my own grit again. No, the good news of Jesus is you don't have to on your own grit. Praise God you didn't give up. But you don't have to do this on your own. This is on him. That we trust in him. That it's safe to feel tired when you're tired. It's even safe to, like, take a nap, or rest, or break, or breathe. Because God's done a really good job of spinning this earth, even when we've tried to pretend it was ours. So the good news of this breastplate of righteousness for me this week has been that, like, I can breathe. And what I probably would have thought would have been weight and a straitjacket and restrictive is actually the very thing that brings me comfort. That this is, it isn't on my effort, it isn't on my rightness, it isn't on what I've done, it's on Christ's effort. It's on how Jesus has done enough. And I can rest in and place my faith in that, believing that I am who he says he is, I am. And we are who he says we are. And in that, there's peace. In that there's joy, and in that there's hope. Hey, young ones, are you are you ready to show us your artwork? Awesome. You want to attach them. a little bit okay that's really good let's make sure the whole room can see them good work let's hold yours up too okay so kind of like that uh that day in the car with my son where i got to kind of choose on at least how i go forward these guys here and the and our kids in the In the room, and who are on Zoom, and everything—they're reminders that, like, we get to choose what we're passing on. We get to choose which route, right? (laughs) Or if you want. (laughs) Thank you, guys. And let's let's choose together as a community to to teach our young church that, like, who who they are is good. Because their God is good. And where they feel lack and where they feel vulnerable and where they feel afraid or any of that, that's your space to go back to God. And trust in who Jesus is again. You all know for, for years, we've needed your help, especially with this young one praying for her and holding her up. And, and as Miss Diana said, she's, she's one of our miracles, right? She doesn't belong to just Nikki and I, because we don't just, we're doing this together, probably more than we even realize. Let's keep pushing into that, okay, family? Let's, Let's pray just before we receive communion here.